Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is your host, Tim Wenders. I am, for those that are just joining, an executive coach. I work with leaders and leadership teams. And uh, also I'm an author and uh, do a lot of cool stuff. Post, host a podcast here at Seek Go Create. This is where we redefine success, in business, leadership, and in ministry. And uh, today our conversation is going to be about all of those things. We're going to be talking about having to redefine success when it comes to starting a family, when you're a successful business person, and what happens when you, I guess, when you find out that life is actually hard, and uh, and we'll talk about that. So uh, I'm glad you're here at Seek Go Create. I'm going to continue asking all of you to share these episodes with people because the the way, the number one way that people get exposed to new podcasts is when someone that they know texts it, shares it with them. I believe this is going to be one of those episodes today. So welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you for joining us at Seek Go Create. Today, we have Johnny Serpilla as our guest. He is a legend. Get this. He is a legend in the RV industry. And most of you, if you don't know, I broadcast Seat Go Create from the passenger seat of our RV. So you can bet we're going to have some conversations about RVs. He's an owner of many businesses, founder of uh, Encourage LLC, and the author of the book. I've just finished, finished reading it, Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay. And I want to read the tagline for this book because it's going to, I think, define a lot of our conversation today. The tagline of the book, Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay, is the power of hope, and emerging through pain and learning to live with gratitude. That says a lot there. Johnny, welcome to Seat Go Create. Tim, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, so glad, so glad you're here. I've enjoyed your book, enjoyed learning about you and getting to know you just through my research. Before we get going here, you actually had a massive bio that had so many things in it. I gave an abbreviated introduction there. But before we get started here, let's just say we meet each other, which we have just sort of met. And, uh, and I ask you what you do. What do you tell people when they ask you that question? Well, you know, I used to tell people in the last few years that I retired and now I'm kind of following my passions. My, my wife uh, doesn't let me get away with saying I'm retired so, uh, because I'm still working so much. So I like to say I'm repurposed. And uh, so I find myself in my 50s being repurposed and, and focusing on passion projects and businesses that I think are meaningful, interesting, and kind of captive um, in my mind and spirit, kind of captivate what I, what I want to do at this, this stage of my life. And so I'm taking a lot of my past experiences in leadership and leading um, in small businesses and in the large corporate stage as well, um, and then uh, doing board work. Uh, some public company board work, private company board work, volunteer board work, uh, more of that to just uh, offer leadership guidance. That's kind of my lane where I like to be. So you and I share that. And uh, I'm at a pretty exciting stage of life. Hmm, very good. Sounds like you're able to work on a lot of things. So, so then why would someone who says something like that, I'm going to go ahead and dive right into the deep end here write a book that says life is hard because because many people this is where we get into the redefining success here at seat go create many people would hear that and go charmed life everything's great no issues no challenges anything's like that and i've i've read the book so and truthfully as i got into the book i was i was reading a little bit for research and all but i was really drawn in to the story that you and your wife went through. And this might be a time to go ahead and share a little bit of high points of that so that people kind of know where we're headed. But wh wh why, and this, let's big picture first. Successful in business, probably finances are okay, if not better than okay, than most people would claim. Why would life be so hard? You know, Tim, that's a great question because I think life is just hard. I don't think that it is something that if you have material success, that that means that life can't be hard. Um, it doesn't mean that if you have personal success, that life cannot be hard. And so I think life is really hard. I, I just really do believe it. And the, and the title came to me, um, as you read, you know, from being posed at, at a um, keynote speech that I was given 
if somebody asks a question, you know, what do you wish you knew when you were my age? And it was a group of college seniors. And so my answer was, I wish I knew that life was going to be hard and I'll be okay. And it really was hard uh, for us in spite of the fact that we were living a charmed life. We had our youth, we had our health, we had our careers. My wife was killing it um, in pharmaceutical industry and financially doing better than me. And I was so proud of her. And I love telling people um, that side of um, our uh, business careers because I'm kind of known for that. Yet my wife was the one that got the faster start and the one that you know we saved every penny she made and lived off of what I made. And so for me, um, it was a charmed life. And from the outside look in, it was a charmed life. But we ran into a hard time and we were not able to have children and we spent years trying. And after a number of years of that, we became pregnant. And I say very pregnant because we were pregnant with triplets and our dreams were made clear. They were revealed, they were right in front of us. And I've always been fascinated with multiples. So to becoming a dad of triplets, I, it was like winning the lottery five times over. It was just unbelievable. And um, it was great until it wasn't. And so they were born um, prematurely and they passed away. And then I really started to understand what I thought was hard in not achieving our dreams of becoming pregnant had a whole new definition, redefined what hard was. We thought the years of infertility was hard. Child loss was much harder. And so I love you know, your, your, your tag of redefining success in leadership and in ministry, because that's exactly what I'm doing in ministering in this part of our life and talking about what happened with us and redefining what was going to make us happy. Yeah, the, the reason I like that and your story resonates so well, I, I don't know if I have this thought, and this could be a good thought or bad thought. I think it plays into the, to the book that you wrote. I think everybody's got this journey they go on. And, and I think that there will be struggles along the way. I don't, I don't hope for it. None of us wish for it. But, uh, but I think we all face it. And I, and I love what you did with the book and, and is that you basically told your story so that people could see it from a deep standpoint. I was really drawn in. We, so it's interesting with us. We've had, we've had some challenges with businesses that have had some issues that led to financial challenge but never with children type issues. And so it, it was really educational for me to read because we've been around people that have, and I don't know that I understood it as well until I read your book and understood some of the things. In fact, I'd, I would be reading it at night and I'd talk to my wife about it, about some things that came up from it. And so I, I, I want to drill down on that word success though, Johnny, because so many people, they... They define success a certain way. And my guess that you and your wife, when y'all were newly married and early on, y'all had this definition of what life might look like. And it sounds like that was rocked, changed, redefined, whatever words we want to use real early on. Take us back to that and what was going on through your mind? High achiever, business, I'm guessing your wife was, if she was doing well, high achiever. Y'all probably thought you controlled your world a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, walk through that early stage of when you kind of started realizing maybe you don't have control, total control over this thing we call life. You know, for, for us, um, it, it started the first month we didn't conceive uh, for me, because I'm like, wait, I mean, you have a goal, you take the steps to achieve it. You set the next goal. And, you know, we didn't, it didn't work the first month and the second month and the first year and the second year. Right. And so, you know, tests and tests and tests are, are showing negativity, right. It's not working. And, and that just didn't resonate with me, uh, with either of us, you know, whether athletically or scholastically, I mean, we, can, you know, we compete, we achieve, we set goals, we reach the next one. So success for both of us was very clear that it was going to involve uh, the family unit. That's where success was first. And then the careers, the other 
ways of giving back and all those things were other layers of success that are added on top of that solid family unit. So the, the dream of becoming pregnant and having our first baby was just the beginning of building our success life together. And so when we failed in that, it failed at it repeatedly, it was hard to feel successful. Um, from the outside, we were successful. And as you read in the book, we are keeping it a secret. And, and I, I want to say, Tim, that the book isn't just really about a family building journey. That's just the story, the backdrop to right. redefining success, to looking at our mind and, and reframing thoughts, right? And whether it's financial challenge, work challenge, relationship challenge, loss of a child, whatever it might be, you know, we had to keep our heads right uh, to keep our marriage on track. And so that's where for us that we did feel successful in our marriage um, in terms of our relationship, because that process drove us closer together. The infertility years brought us closer together, even than we already were. And we, I think we had a pretty flawless relationship, but the, even after Nicholas, Mary and Peter died, we, we were so cemented together that nothing was gonna rock our relationship. And it really hasn't since. Yeah, and I guess one of the things, I guess just to clarify, uh, from reading the book, I do agree with you. It's not just about a, a, a journey of a, a, a family situation. I, I do think there's value. I, I actually saw leadership principles. I saw spiritual principles. I'll be, I'll be asking right. about some of those here shortly. I saw a lot of that in the book. The reason for me it was so valuable with that journey was it was was it because I think it was because I've never, I've been around it and a lot of people don't talk about it. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it that way, but like we know of people that have gone through it, but it's not as if we've just sat down and said, Hey, tell us all about it. It's almost like you mentioned y'all didn't tell anybody <laughs> early on. And, uh, and obviously it's years later that you've really written about it and shared about it. W what was the, this wasn't a question I was going to ask, but I'm going to go here. What was that isolation factor like? Because you probably were in a pretty public life. A lot of people knew, like y'all had a lot of community around you, family and things like that. But yet you were going through this just with your wife very privately. And y'all at times were really keeping it private. What was that isolation like? You know, that's a great question. I, I've done dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts, not been asked that question. And it's uh, such a good question. Um, so thank you for asking that. It was um, out of the norm um, for me to be that quiet, right? I'm an outgoing person. My wife's very outgoing. Um, and so to keep that within us, we're, we're, we're pretty much an open book. We're, we're not secret keepers. Initially, we were keeping um, that we were even trying to have children a surprise because we were excited for that big reveal moment of telling our parents and our friends, you know, we're pregnant and, you know, so excited about that. So it started out from just that perspective of we want to be able to bring this joy to people uh, that we're close to as our friends were bringing it to us and we were so excited uh, for them. And so it started from that perspective. Then as the pressure was mounting and building, it did become lonely because we were only talking to each other about it. So that's what it was like. It was, it was a lonely experience with, with one person. Interestingly enough though, Tim, when I look back and now that I know what happened later, there was something beautiful in the loneliness when it was just the two of us because our problems were smaller. Um, before Nicholas and Peter died. And so when I think of those years, um, there's a little bit of envy for that couple because they didn't know yet what was, what was going to happen to them. And, mm. you know, so I look back at, at that version of us. Um, so in the dark of thinking that life was hard, but had no clue what was coming and how hard it was going to get. And so when you think that you're at your low to then wake up the next morning to be at a new low, that's really when you're kind of taking that assessment of, so this is our life. This is our path. This is where we're at. And 
as the book reveals, there were so many of those situations that continued to happen that going to the cemetery was a comforting place because we felt like, again, okay, we can stay here and this is as bad as it could ever get, even as life continued to be hard. Mm. That's a great response. I'm glad I was nudged to ask that question. The, the thought that kept coming to my mind while you were saying that, Johnny, and I don't know, I don't know what the connection is here, but oddly enough, the struggle that I would put as one of our biggest challenges with my wife and I was when after 08, we had business failure, went through bankruptcy, homelessness, stuff like that. And we were in an isolated situation. We felt as if it was just the two of us. You know, I think the old song, you and me against the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and while I wouldn't wish it on anyone, I am now thankful. I mean, you've got the word gratitude written in the, you know, the, the tagline of your book. And I think a lot of people would look at your story and go, gratitude, wait, what there's gratitude here. But yet my guess, I'll, I'll just mention a few things you could respond. My guess is the relationship that you, your wife and you have is probably much more, I don't, I don't know if mature, I think ours is more mature than it was. You know, we were probably just two kids hanging out together, you know, uh, earlier on. So we're mature. And, and I, I love that perspective. And I'll, I'll just bring it up again, that, that everything else seems to pale in comparison now that we've gotten those type of uh, indicators or those type of situations. It's like, you know, a business situation. Eh. <laughs> so, right. um, so anyway, I don't, I, there's not really a question there, but any, any response to that? I mean, it's like, cause, cause we've seen similar, I guess, is what I'm just saying. Right. And, and so, and I like that you see that, um, that clarity, that, that perspective that compared to life issues, um, business, you, you can, you can fumble through those. That'll be okay. And, and, you know, I think, when you talk about gratitude, uh, the way that we got to gratitude, Tim, was really out of necessity and survival mode. That because our thoughts were so dark, because what had happened to us was so severe, that resting in those thoughts was too much. It was literally too much to function every day. It was too much to go to work. It was too much to try to deal with work issues that were at one point seemed so material and significant. And with that new perspective and this different lens that we're looking at life through was silly. And we're able to, we can solve that work problem. <laughs> no problem, that's easy. That's not a problem, right? But before we were making it a problem or allowing it to be one. So I like how we got to gratitude. And it was um, not because that we're living with rose-colored glasses, it's because we had to get there because functioning was so hard. So the first thing that we had to be grateful for um, was the blessing to be Nicholas, Mary, and Peter's parents. And so spending time in gratitude for children that you're not raising and that you had a brief period of time with in a day you know, in this human existence, to rest in gratitude, there wasn't a natural path to get there, but it was the only way that we could move forward so that we could not look at their lives as this tragic situation that they in part did to us, or that God did to us, or that it happened to us. It, it had to become something that was more respectful for their lives that were not defined by the amount of time that we're here on earth, but the impact that we make. And so let's have their impact be a positive one. Let's have their impact be a great one. And that's really what it, what it became. And at first, was it a leap to get our minds there that their impact was beautiful? Yeah, that was hard to get there. But the more we said it, the more we saw it, the more it was revealed to us, the beauty in the action from the people around us the doctors, the nurses, the, our friends, our parents, um, our family, you know, it, it showed so much more for us 
that we saw so much beauty in the world. We saw our faith was so strong during all of that, even more renewed and even for passion for our faith and never turning against that. And so there were so many good things that came out of it that we needed to start celebrating. We needed to verbalize them. We need to acknowledge them and we need to embrace it and hold on to them because those are the thoughts that got us to the next day. Mm, that's good. You brought it up and that this was actually led right into my next question. I, I know from the book that there's a definite faith component to your life and, and a belief in God. And I, I wrote down the word eternal thinking. You brought it up in this, in, in that last comment you made that there is more to what we see and what goes on right here. But the question I want to ask related to that is, and, and it, I know it's been, an, uh, been a while now, but maybe you can kind of give a perspective. What was your faith like prior to this event? And then maybe some kind of description of where that faith is now. Because I, I do believe you're a believer, you're a uh, you know, churchgoer, follower of Christ, etc. before. But what what did this journey do for that, for your faith? So we were both strong in our faith uh, before, um, both raised in, in homes of faith um, and uh, attended church at Mass weekly. So faith was critical to us. Um, we both went to faith-based Catholic schools. So faith was always in our life. It was a good part of our marriage. We were practicing our faith. So it was solid before. I will say after their death, it was enlightened. It was taken to a new level because we had never known such despair. And you know, it's said that you can't know true joy until you know true sorrow. We were feeling true sorrow. And so we were enlightened in a way. Um, and enlightened, in it, so Tim, it wasn't just enlightened about us and our feelings. <clears throat> excuse me, we were enlightened about the walks that others go through that are so challenging because ours to that point were very blessed. I mean, stable homes, committed parents that loved us, taught us our faith, taught us work ethic, had high standards for us. I mean, we were the lucky ones. We were, you know, loved unconditionally and supported and, um, you know, really set on a good path of success. And so, we felt um, after that we had a better understanding for real struggles that we had not experienced before. And so then we could empathize with others better. We can see life through really a more realistic lens. Um, certainly I said it wasn't rose colored before, but now it was really realistic and that this is how life can be. And, and that made us, I think, better people. It certainly shaped me as a leader at work because it totally changed the way that I wanted to, to lead with a, a much stronger recognition for what's going on in their home lives and how am I sending them home after a work day, uplifted and, and better for their family or torn down and exhausted. And I expect them to leave their work, their personal problems at home, but I'm okay sending them home with work problems can't play it both ways. <laughs> you're, you're a pretty hard charger, type A personality, uh, leader type. Would that be your profile? I am, but, you know, in, in the disc profile, you know, I'm the dominance and, and influencer. So I love to influence people. So I'm uplifting. Um, mm -hmm. I do have high standards. I hold people to them. Uh, mm -hmm. But I like to think that I do it in a way that is mindful that, they are more than just an associate of mine professionally, right? That they have a faith life, they have a family life, and they have a professional life that I have responsibility for. And so I took that responsibility very seriously, especially um, well, even as a business owner or, you know, as a top exec at Camping World, I really saw it as my job to come to work every day to make the people around me successful. Mm, yeah, that's good. It's interesting that I, my disc profile was a high D, next was the I, and then went down into the SCs. But after we went through some of our challenges, 
the I started creeping up and took over the D. So I became a I, you yeah. know, the I became higher. I, I do think, I do think that we can be molded through this. And I think that's a positive thing. <clears throat> what is the, um, what are some other, I guess, spillover items from your journey that spilled over into professional work, uh, you know, just beyond that core family that, uh, that you saw any, anything else that, uh, that kind of impacted those areas, I, I guess, positive or negative, but anything that impacted the other areas? Well, I, I think it, in terms of, you know, the influence that I wanted to be over others. And um, it made me realize very clearly how impactful, positively or negatively, that we can be with a colleague at work. And, and so I, I took that really, really seriously. I took seriously the, the thought, even when I only had 80 employees in, in my dealership before uh, selling and, and going to Camping World, um, that weighed on me heavily leading and being responsible for 80 households and the decisions that I make. And so I think all of this kind of ups your sense of responsibility. Um, the stakes are higher because it's not just about me. It's about all these people that have invested their professional careers in working with me and engaging with me and entrusting in me. And so, you know, some of that, the negative impact would be the pressure side of that, right? The anxiety that you feel and the responsibility that you feel that if I make bad decisions, it doesn't just impact my household, it impacts all my, of my employees' households. And the people that I work with and the people that I care about and the people that are working so hard on my behalf to represent our brand to the public, that's a heavy weight, right? And I think that some people don't see that. They think that, you know, owning your own business, it's kind of the glorious spot and you get all these perks. And sure, there's plenty of good things. The money is good and the perks are better and all those kind of things. Um, the respect that you're given, uh, hopefully that you've earned, um, those are all great things. But there's weight that comes with it as well. And I think that really was something that I wanted to take out of those years and those struggles in realizing that everyone has struggles. I know how hard it was for me in the blessed life that I had to get my head around it. So I probably looked at others with a little bit more em empathy. And, and I did shift from the DI to the ID, mm -hmm. right, in the disc profile. Um, and I've taken it a number of times over the years, and there's times and seasons that I'm more dominant, and there's seasons where I'm more influential. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell people that I think you would have liked me okay had you met me, you know, 25 years ago, but it probably would have, you know, my my high intensity, my go go go, might have made you uncomfortable at times, whereas now my pace seems a little bit different. I do have a different perspective. Um, you know, do you think that you would have, I know that y'all did an exit. We'll talk, I'm going to talk about some business stuff here shortly, but would you be doing what you are today? I mean, had you not been through the, uh, through the trials, through the challenges that you guys went through? Uh, first of all, I want to comment on, uh, my goodness. Um, I was off putting, I'm sure, I know I was. I'm trying to be yeah. nice to myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was um, a challenge uh, at times. It, and it was never in a yelling, screaming way. Um, it was just in the intensity and pushing way. I, I didn't yell and scream, but I did have high standards. And so, yeah. you, you know, I, I did you was... did you walk fast? Were you a fast walker when oh, you walked around fast. the office? Did you walk in? You walked up to people's desk real quick and bam, and then you were gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, moving fast. Um, and I still walk too fast now. I were sometimes, just last night coming back from tennis, I said to my wife, what are you doing back there? Come on. And, uh, you know, it's like, just got off the court. Here's a grueling match, you know, slow down. I, yeah, you're, and she's so right. She's so right. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, professionally, there are so many things that I would do differently um, at times. Um, with my intensity. And I think in my younger years, um, you know, overall, and then I'm going to answer your question. Um, my younger years, I just wish I was more of a full person. Um, I think I was so intense on the career path that I wasn't, I hadn't fully developed myself. 
But in terms of doing what I'm doing now, um, I don't believe if our past didn't happen the way it did, that I would have felt at the age of 50 to decide to retire and, and walk away from future earnings that were ridiculous. Um, I don't think I would have done it, right? Because I would have been so financially focused and that would have been my driver. Uh, but instead on my 50th birthday, which was the day of Camping World's IPO when we went public, uh, on that day, other thoughts were stirring within me that it's time to go and time to go do other things and go make an impact and make a difference in other areas. And, and some of them in the leadership space and, and doing more public speaking and all of that. And so uh, I, I don't think I would have done that had our story been different. Mm. Yeah, that's, I keep wanting to go off into another direction, but I, I, I feel like we're circling some things here that I really like. I very similar. I mean, I, I remember I would walk around offices, you know, we had some companies way back when, and I'd be a fast walker and all. And, and this is what I recognize about myself. I'll just say this. And then you could say, yeah, it was similar. And because I think it fits into this whole thing of gratitude. I felt as if I was on a mission. This was this high D high and, and that, and that when I got to a certain place, then I would relax, chill, take a vacation or something like that. But as I've gone through life, I've recognized, and I'm still working on this, that, that the journey, the day-to-day, -day, the minute-to-minute, the second-to-second -second is so much more important than the place that I think I may be going. And, and I'm sort of hearing the same thing. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I... I couldn't agree with that anymore, Tim. I mean, for me, you know, that recognition of um, setting that goal and then getting there and feeling like, mm, no big deal. Didn't set the goal high enough, so now stretch it further. You know, whether it's having, you know, X amount of money in savings, right? And then once I get there, I'll be fine. Then I can relax, right? Um, then you get there and you're like, no, new standards, raise the number. And so we can do that in relationships as well, not just monetarily. It's easy to, to measure when there's X number of millions that you have that then I'll be at peace and then I'll be a better person and then I'll be more charitable. Boy, that's a slippery slope when you start, you know, pushing off what you know you should be doing today um, for later once you're more comfortable. And I think that, I don't think, I know that I'm a work in progress continuing to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You know, it's kind of funny that um, right now I see a lot and I'm really into fitness and, and working out and, and so many people that I follow on Instagram are into these ice baths. Um, and, and, the, and the theory is get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? And I hate, the, I hate being cold. I mean, shouldn't use the word hate. I hate being cold, despise it. And cold water is way at the top of the list. And um, tepid water is even a problem for me. Like I need a warm pool. And so I have so much respect for those people that say every morning at 6 a.m. when I get in this 40 degree ice bath for three minutes, I literally hate it. And I'm I think I'm going to find myself doing that at some point because as much as I hate it, I'm drawn to it um, because I want to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I love the challenge that they put out with that. And so, you know, the older I get, the more I realize the, the ways that I still need to evolve, managing the thoughts that I have, managing what is enough. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, going back to our beginning conversation, we had to come to terms with the time that we had with them alive was enough instead of saying, but I wish we could have had them another year or five years or 10 years, all those wishes weren't happening. And so to hold on to those thoughts instead of letting them go was a problem. So then when you let those thoughts go, you're left with what we had, which was a short time. Why can't that be enough, right? Why can't we just take that and say, we got this experience 
and there was beauty in it. There was grace in it. And there was wonder and, and amazement what God created and through us. And we had that experience that of a, as a family of five uh, for a brief period of time. Hmm. Let it be enough, Johnny. Don't ask for more always. And I think that's what we always tend to do. We ask for more friendships. We ask for more money. We ask for more blessings. You know, it's, it's constant. And so, you know, when, with our friendships, um, you know, instead of pouring into some that we have that your eyes always wondering to um, these other interesting people, which I'm drawn to interesting people. I, I love it. And so when I do that, then I say, okay, I'm going to invest time in this. I don't want to just have a quick encounter with somebody. I want something to be meaningful. So then it's going to take some energy and effort. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's good. I got like two or three things from all of that. First thing I want to address the ice bath thing. I was, I'm similar. I love me a good warm shower. And, and I was, I was actually spending some time praying and saying, God, you know, do I, do I need to do these? Um, this is a little bit funny. God, do I need to do these ice baths and things like that? And I felt like God, this is just me now. He said, why would you do that when I gave you warm water? <laughs> but, but I, like I get, I get the, uh, I get the discomfort. All right. This is, this is maybe a serious question. Maybe not here before we move on a little bit. I work with executives and executive teams, high performance people. I know you surround yourself with those people. You know, you're one yourself. I actually at times really wonder how we go about making significant change. Going from the Johnny of 24 years old to the Johnny of 54 years old, the Tim of 30 to the Tim of almost 60. And at times I go, you know what, I really do believe that we can focus, maybe hire a coach or do something or go through something where we go through a program where we really make those changes. But then, Johnny, I get concerned at times that the only way we really make those changes is when we go through some form of a catalytic event. When something really hits us like you went through and I went through and others and I would hope that that's not the case because I would hope that we wouldn't be sitting here as two people having this mature conversation that, you know, to really go through some change in life, you're going to have to go through some type of an event. But it plays into the life is hard. So mm-hmm. w- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, could could Johnny have developed into the man he is today without going through that massive struggle? You know, I, I don't think so. I think we all have inclinations of, you know, our spirit and, and who we are, and we're challenged by situations and we're challenged by people. So I, I do say, I don't think I'd be the man I am today had I not had that experience, had I not had the experience of raising the three children that we were blessed to raise, um, experiencing adoption go well, as opposed to the failed adoptions that we had, um, experiencing pregnancies that ended up well, um, even though with more premature babies, but they did okay. Uh, they did great. Um, and so all of those, right, shape who we are. I think, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of the thought of today, so many people say, you know, got to be your authentic self. And, and I say, Tim, I don't even know who my authentic self is. All right. I mean, I'm just the sum of the circumstances I used and to. the people I, I used- encountered it. I used to think I knew way back when, had you tell, had you asked me at 25, mm-hmm. I would have said, oh yeah, this is, I'm this, 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 this. But the more mature <clears> I get, <throat> I hope the word's mature. I'm going, I'm, I'm not even sure what that looks like. Sounds like you're going through a similar journey. Exactly. Because I, I realize there's times that I say certain things I can say, wow, I really like that, but that came from so-and-so. Somebody planted that seed in me and I taken that thought i've internalized it brought it in i can't even remember who did but i know i didn't used to think like that i didn't used to have my heart open to that and now that i do it's because of the influence that i've had from others people that i've respected and loved and i've been blessed to come in and out of my life and so my authentic self is emerging and evolving every day and um you know i I don't really know 
what or who that is. Um, and, and I know more of what I want to become than I know of what I really am. Um, and it doesn't say I don't know myself. Back to your question, I mean, the catalyst that we have to change um, can be one of two things. <clears throat> it, can, it could be an adverse event that many of us experience where you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, now what, what am I made of? Or you cannot wait for that to happen and you can have that hard look in the mirror and be your own catalyst to say, let's really examine what I see in front of me. And so in my leadership coaching, you know, I think that's one of my jobs to hold up the mirror to someone to say, this is what I see when I'm looking at you. I want you to tell me what you see. And oftentimes, right, they just don't align. They, they misfire. And I've been blessed to coach some people along the way and bring out the best in them where um, they were carrying so much of their junk and insecurities with them from their past that they couldn't even live in their present. They were trying to fulfill a title that they've been given, right, which comes with power. And that power can easily be taken away from you when you lose that title versus you know, trying to establish authority with people where when we think about authority, you know, we can think of an old coach that we had who had great authority over us when they were coaching us, but we see that coach 30 years later and we say, coach, how are you? And they have no authority over us today, but they're still an authority figure in our lives, right? That's so much more interesting to me than power. Um, and, and that's what people seek oftentimes at work. So, you know, taking that hard look in the mirror um, people don't want that honest reflection. John Maxwell tells us that the hardest person to lead is yourself, right? Because we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge others by their actions. And so if you're going to really, really, you know, look at yourself on what you intended to do, even though you didn't do it, but you give yourself the credit for doing it, it's just not an honest look in the mirror. Yeah, I think that looking in the mirror is good. As you were saying that, I was thinking about my my readings in the morning have been from the book of Exodus, and I've been reading about um, you know Moses taking the people of Israel out of Egypt, and at least 13 times in there it speaks about Pharaoh's heart being hardened. And I look back on myself, and I look at some business people maybe that are in the arena like we were, and while we were achievers, successful, and all that, I think I think some would say, and I think we could probably admit that our hearts were probably harder than they need to be. And it appears to me like your journey, Johnny, my journey, the journey probably of life is about softening our hearts. And, uh, and I think that's, that's powerful. And I appreciate all that you've talked about and written. I do want to make sure though, that I get the story of your your RV journey, your business. I want to I want to hear a little bit more about that, especially because I'm coming to you from the RV here. So uh, so in light of that, I don't think it's a big shift away from what we've been talking about. But yeah. gi give give you know while all of this was going on in your life, you y'all had a family business. It was in the RV business, and then later got acquired, and then later you did an IPO. Tell a little bit of that story, and maybe just kind of weave it in along the way here uh, before we finish up and. Uh, and wrap up. Sure. Sure. So, um, you know, my dad was one of the pioneer dealers in the 1950s. Um, you know, starting in a young growing industry, uh, he started running out some tent, camp tent campers um, from his gas station and uh, ended up over time um, selling the gas station and then becoming a full-time uh, RV dealer uh, with his older brother. And so it was something I was born into. My dad's dealership was older than me. Um, and so I grew up working in the dealership, um, never really liked the RV lifestyle much. It wasn't for me. Um, and so what you're doing, I love hearing people doing it. Um, it was not, never anything that I wanted to do. Um, maybe because it was the family business, who knows? Um, but I love the lifestyle. I love what it did for families and the time that you and your wife have together on the road, you know, seeing our, our amazing and beautiful country to experience living in, in different uh, markets across the country. That's the best of the RV lifestyle right there and traveling in your own comforts of home. 
so, you know, I came back to the family business. Um, you know, my dad picked my major when I was going to college, said, you're going to be an accounting major. I don't want anyone to ever uh, have to have you rely on someone else um, to, to understand our profit and loss statements and our balance sheet. And so I said, okay, pops, I'll, I'll do that. And I went and got the accounting and finance uh, degree in undergrad. And then grad school came later in my early 30s. And that was organizational behavioral management, which really prepared me for the camping world days. I'll say that, having my master's in that space. And so I was running the family business. Um, my dad, unfortunately, got cancer when I was 28. And then he was no longer working. And it was just me. Um, and in the space um, with other family members that I absolutely loved and was privileged to work with other family members. And then uh, when I was 36, um, was right when Camping World was getting started in their dealership expansion phase. And I was one of the first dealers contacted. And I was blessed to come on the team as a regional president. And I went out and I was buying other stores across the country um, and uh, doing the M&A work. And then um, after about a year or so of that, um, I was moved into the national role uh, for operations. And so I created um, all the teams, the service team, uh, the finance and insurance team, the business development center teams, um, you know, all of that. And, and absolutely, it was a dream, really, because it was an industry that I knew. Um, and in a space that uh, in a growing company um, with great people in the organization, I was blessed to be able uh, to work alongside some, some really, really great people. And then over time, I became president. Um, and then in the last four years before my retirement, I was um, chief business development officer over um, the parent company in the Good Sam and, and Camping World Brands. And so did a lot of business dev work and just it was a great career it was um you know good people and um an industry that goes through ups and downs right uh, whether it's interest rates or gas prices or you know whatever it might be um and it's a little tougher time right now in the rv industry the market's still out there for it consumers are still loving it um, but the new unit production is going to be down in 23 it'll bounce back it always does and uh, it always has because it's it's a great American pastime. The interesting thing about it is, you know, being a business guy, when I'm out and about, we're traveling, I'm kind of looking and trying to gauge just from literally boots on the ground what's going on in the industry. And right here where we are now, I mentioned before we hit record that we're just outside of Zion National Park in Virgin, Utah. There are one, two, three, four, five new RV resorts type things being built and i am looking at it going hmm i'm wondering if they're overbuilding what the demand might be there's even these cool little things now where they're building what would be an rv resort but they're putting airstream trailers on those permanent so when people come stay they stay in a camper but yet it they don't have to haul it and do that kind of this very very fascinating industry that i never knew much about because i never camped or anything growing up either and my wife and I moved in an RV four years ago about now. So we've been traveling in our tiny home. And it is kind of a cool thing to see the country from a very different perspective than being in an airplane. So uh, so that's, that's right. That's you meet such great people in the industry, right, in, in the campgrounds. Um, you know, so many people that are just, you know, the, the events and the rallies that Camping World would do over the years. I'd love to go to those and. And to meet the people who were, you know, the the pulse of the industry and um, the technology that's been added to RVs over the years, the comfort. I mean, it's just it's it's really cool space uh, to be in. I serve on a board of a publicly traded company in the RV space, uh, Lippert Components, and um, seeing it from the manufacturing side, right? I knew it from the retailing side, but. Uh, seeing it from the manufacturing side is just fascinating and the commitment that's there um, it is I think there's an appropriate number of parks that are being built um, for the lifestyle there because wow. it, it is a you know it went through its you know small family kind of uh, adventure and then you started seeing the celebrities and the John Maddens and their you know buses that they were taking across country and then there's certainly had a little bit more maybe cachet associated with it and, you know, rock bands and such. 
And, and now it's back to, you know, good people that, you know, just want to enjoy life. And I think COVID certainly taught us that, um, that we need to do that. Um, any tough time economically we go through, we know that we need our enjoyment and Americans love the RV lifestyle. And so it's definitely here to stay and it's growing every year. Yeah, it, it definitely is from where I'm sitting, literally from where I'm sitting, I can see that. So uh, very exciting there. So you, you were part of the organization. They went through an IPO. I'm guessing that uh, definitely fed into your, uh, you, you said retired a couple times, but I'm going to go back to what your wife said, repurposed, because that's what she's calling you. And I think we need to get you using that word more, repurposed. Mm -hmm opened up a lot of opportunities for you. I'm guessing that, um, you know, when you go through an IPO, typically that means some, some blessings financially and some other things. In our last couple of minutes here, what's one of the projects that you just want to mention to the audience? Maybe it relates to some things we've talked to. Maybe it's something different because I, I see from the list here, you've got a lot of things that, uh, that you're currently working with a lot of, it's gotta be cool to be on different boards and see different things. What's, what's one thing you might want to mention here before we uh, finish up? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Tim, there's, um, it's hard to pick one. I'm going to pick a couple quickly, uh, because I'm in so many different spaces that I it just, you know, really, really fun. I'm in the spirits industry, um, with, you know, one of my uh, fraternity brothers and old college roommate. And so, uh, Angel's Envy, um, you know, he was um, a big developer behind that. I invested in that project. Now we have Heaven's Door with Bob Dylan. Um, you know, Angel's Envy, we sold off um, Heaven's Door with Bob Dylan. So that's a fun one. There are um, other spirit brands as well that we're, we're developing and, and part of. So that's, you know, a really interesting part. And the creativity behind that is so interesting. Um, another company I invested in and I serve on their board um, is doing the only um, medical trial in the world on concussion therapy. And so that's a space that I'm super interested in, mostly athletically induced concussions. And so uh, just coming out of the FDA trials on that, uh, finished phase two of that last year, just got the um, insurance codes uh, issued from the FDA. And so working on that project and, and uh, working to co commercialize that and serving on that board, Again, super smart people just loved going into that and, and learning, right, about something that's totally new. Um, with some other family members and friends, we started a company called Society Brands um, that is in the uh, aggregator space of Amazon type companies that are selling digitally online. So we're buying those up and packaging that together. That's been a fascinating project. And, and then still, we were in the clothing and furniture business, Laura of Pembroke. I'm going to little plug for that business, uh, laurapembroke.com. I've uh, been in that business for 35 years. So it's women's clothing, accessories, uh, home gifts, and full-line home furnishings and interior design. And so there's a number of Dapper Classics is a sock company that I invested in, American-made socks uh, for men um, and men's accessories. And so for me, the exciting thing every day sitting at my desk coming to work is, you know, what am I going to focus on today? And whether it is a podcast for the book, if it's working on my next book, which is more in the leadership lane, um, if it is, you know, working on one of the businesses or various board calls, every day is diverse and different. So I do feel repurposed, right? I, I'm not staying in the lane that um, was the one that I knew so well, that the finances were, were so incredible. Um, it was you know, I wanted to venture out and do different things. And, and that's not for everybody. Some people like playing it safer and that's okay too. It, for me, I just felt a call that I wanted to do some things differently. And um, in, in whatever time God was going to give me left, um, you know, as my dad got cancer in his fifties, you know, a, a lot of those circumstances that we have in our lives play on us and, and impact our decisions. And so I thought this is my time to go out and do some different things. And so my wife and I enjoy you know, we've been empty nesters now for about five years. And so we spend our winters in Naples, Florida, and then our summers back in Canton, Ohio. And um, just really trying to enjoy life and continue to meet good people. And my prayer is for God to put the people in my path every day that I meant to meet and meant to engage with. And it may be some things are really purposeful that come out of that. And maybe others are just a little bit more um, just a great, way to energize each other and you and you walk away from that yeah sounds like you're having fun 
We are, we are. Um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. There's and there's days that I totally missed what I was doing at Camping World, uh, for sure. Um, it was a great experience. So there's days that I missed that. There's days that I missed Serpilla RV. Uh, going back, you know, 20 years ago uh, to that, um, you know, there's these seasons of life, and I'm a big believer in that. And um, and then and there's times to go back into a past season, um, but not dwell on them, not focus on them. But you know, maybe you know, every now and then you do step back a little bit, and that's okay. Hmm. So uh, so even though even though life is hard, you consider yourself successful now. Sounds like. Full family life, um, that's my success. Um, 32 years of, of marriage, um, three great kids that uh, Susan and I both have amazing relationships with. Uh, they all went to the same college, same college as your daughter, uh, High Point University, which was an amazing Christian school. Uh, they all chose the same college and now they all chose the same city, Chicago, to live in after college. Um, and. It's a pretty cool thing as a dad to see your kids having their own relationships as adults, wanting to be together in college and then wanting to be together outside of college, even though they have their independent careers, their independent friendships and relationships, they can always go back to a sibling um, and they see each other a couple of times a week. So it's, it's cool. Yeah, that was a good answer. I was actually going to ask you to catch us up with the family, but you just did it there. So that's that fed right into what I was going to ask. Where can people connect with you, find the book, go ahead and tell us about that. And then I've got one more question before we wrap up. So, you know, I want to comment one thing on the family first that, you know, I, I put that in the book that, you know, life is hard, but I'll be okay. And it's a lesson that I wanted my kids to learn as well, because they're finding that even medically with, you know, one with Lyme disease, you know, a chronic uh, disease that he'll always have another with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, that is extremely challenging for him every day. Another one with severe anxiety and, and working through that. So, you know, those are all medical issues that are impacting our kids' lives every single day. And so, you know, I want them to know that they're, they are going to be okay. And there's so many times that we've said that to them in the, in the darkest doctor's appointments, in the darkest, darkest times. Um, that you can't even see your way out of it. Lyme disease, I mean, in that case, my son, his infection went to his brain and um, he couldn't work for seven months. And so you, you see that level of illness and depression and he couldn't move the joint pain. You know, it's going to be okay. And, and now four years out of it, still, you know, managing it, you know, he, he is okay. So I get encouraged by that. Um, and so where to find me? On Instagram, Johnny Serpilla at Johnny Serpilla, uh, my website um, at johnnyserpilla.com um, or encourage33.com. Uh, they're both uh, linking to each other. And um, that's probably the best place to, to find me. And uh, I, I love engaging with people. So I'd love to see comments on the book. Anyone that's read the book, Tim, if you could leave a review on Amazon, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, I go back and I read these reviews from people that I don't know that I'm just so humbled by. And I, I really appreciate people giving their time to me to read the book. And so for you doing that, thank you so much. Uh, I, re I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. I like, I like when things stretch me and it did stretch me and I appreciate that. Johnny, we are seek, go create those three words. We mashed them together to title our podcast. I'm going to let you pick one of those words that maybe means more, resonates more with you right now, whatever. Seek, go, or create. I'm going to let you choose one and why as my final question. I'm going to go with create. And and I think that I've, I feel at a creating stage in my life right now. I feel like I'm at a time where, you know, I want to create new relationships, create new meaningful impact um, with other people um, and making a difference creating change. And so there was times when I was certainly seeking and going, I feel like right now I'm, I'm all about creating, creating health. Um, you know, I can, I can go down that path uh, in a number of different ways, but I'm in the create phase and, and I'm excited to be, you know, 56 years old and in the create phase uh, of my life. Yeah, that sounds good. It doesn't sound like someone who's retired to me. So, you know, you brought that word up a couple of times. I don't think that sounds like retired. So anyway, Johnny Serpilla, thank you so much for this conversation. Author of the book, Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay. And we definitely have the conversation today. And I would agree 
that uh, he is okay, even though that we know that life can be hard. I recommend you get the book, go to the places he mentioned. And, uh, and I, one of the real requests here before we jump off, if you've been listening in, share this with someone. Uh, I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but I am very positive that someone you know, probably definitely you, but someone you know needs to hear this message that Johnny shared. And I would recommend you take a screenshot of the podcast or if you're on YouTube where you're watching it or social media where we, we post it, share this with someone, someone that jumped to your mind while you were listening in to this conversation with Johnny. I appreciate you being here at Seat Go Create. We have new episodes every Monday. Make sure you follow us. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.